Hi, it's Sherry Lynn. We're now deep in the throes of summer 2023, and that means I'm taking my foot off the gas and I'm trying to relax a little bit. While I'm spending some time traveling and visiting family, please enjoy this encore presentation of one of my most popular episodes. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of 50 Women Over 50, a podcast for women whose personal confidence is born of experience. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey. The objective for this podcast is to interview 50 women from all walks of life who are over 50 years of age about what they've learned by their fifth decade so that we can all learn from them. Today, I'm welcoming to the show radio and TV personality Candace Sampson, host of the What She Said radio program and podcast for women. Candace entered her 50s as she was going through a divorce of epic proportion, which left her living in rented accommodation with her two teenage daughters and feeling that she had very little autonomy over her own life. She was sad and angry. But with a little help from her friends, she's come through it all feeling quietly confident. She's found an inner calmness and happiness, and she feels that she's prepared for whatever life might throw at her. In this interview, Candace explains how the four-year divorce ordeal actually turned out to be a bit of a blessing as a journey of self-discovery and personal growth. She's loving her life these days and has nothing but optimism for the future. Let's start with telling me about how you celebrated your 50th birthday. Oh my God. Did you ever pick a good one? (laughs) On my 50th birthday, which should have been a time of major celebration, my ex-husband had me served with papers from a lawyer just to sour the day a bit. And I was completely pulled into my own self-pity party and was sad and wouldn't let anybody do anything for me. And I didn't want to see anybody and just in a really dark, dark place. And I was sitting in the living room of this rental house I was living. I'm going to cry. I was sitting in the living room of this rental house with my daughters were downstairs and there was a knock on the door at midnight and two of my girlfriends had drove all the way from London, Ontario to Ottawa to surprise me and be with me on my 50th birthday. My daughters ushered them in the house and I figured these were just my kids' friends coming in the house. And I looked up and my girlfriends walked around the corner and I am telling you, you know that big ugly cry you do where you catch your breath and you go, yeah, and that's yeah. absolutely what I did. I completely broke down. Man, did I need those girls to walk in at that moment. And, oh, I am just, I am so lucky to have the friends I do. But that was, that was how I celebrated my 50th. My girlfriends just really rallied and, and showed up and it was incredible. And d- despite the fact that I didn't get to do the big party I wanted and all those things, it was really quite special. Sounds like, sounds like you celebrated in the right way for the moment for where you were at that time. Yeah. And it's a really powerful reminder to surround yourself with good people. I just, I'm very lucky that I have all these people who are willing to listen and rally around me. So you said you were feeling really sad that day. Was your sadness, did it stem from 
the loss of the relationship with your husband or was it just the sadness that he would do this to you and he would be so malicious as to do it on your birthday or or a bit of both? Well, getting the letter from a lawyer at that point was expected. And I mean, it it, it didn't make the day easier. But it didn't make the day worse. It just was, oh, yeah, great. This is on brand. (laughs) But but I think I was in a darker place because I was very stifled at that point. And I had no autonomy over my own life. And that was very frustrating for me to be caught in this system where I could not make a single move because... Everybody else had control over my life. My ex-husband, who wouldn't participate in a divorce, the court system, who wouldn't seemingly get their shit together to move on with things. It was a very frustrating place to be. And for me, it just, it was hard. And my, my kids were struggling. I was struggling financially. I felt, despite the fact that I did have friends and I remain, I do have friends all the time, I felt lonely. And, and sad and, and thought, what am I, where is this, where am I going to end up? So it was a lot of unknowns at that point. So I guess in comparison to what was going on in your, in your life at that moment, the whole fear of going over the hill probably didn't even register with you, right? I don't know that it ever has because I don't really have a fear of aging. I think I get that from my mom who's always just taken it in stride as well. It's part of life. I don't relish it. I don't love the thought of it. We all mourn the passing of time, but I don't fear it either. So that wasn't really what was bothering me about turning 50. It was just the lack of control over my own life at that point. But now you've turned the corner on that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's been good. Like, I I mean, I can tell you this story from both sides. I could paint this as a sad sob story, or I could paint this as a real growth moment for me. And, And I choose the story. I choose the narrative. And I choose to tell it like, this is a moment of great growth for me. I came through this very dark period, four years of just absolute garbage. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous when I think back on it how crazy that time was. And now I just go, oh, like, look at what it's done to me. It could have hardened me. It softened me. It's made me way more empathetic to people, which I think is wonderful that I have this capacity now. I don't think I had before. I I always had empathy, but not to the level I do now. Makes me so much more understanding. And I just feel like I've grown into a better person. And I keep saying this, like you have a decision to make and, and I've chosen better instead of bitter. And I, I maintain that. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm in a much better spot than I was for sure prior to my divorce, through my divorce. And, and now I'm on this post divorce journey. When you were 45 and you looked forward and said, where, where am I going to be in 10 years? How different is this picture? Well, I mean, obviously a lot's changed, but I think most surprising to me is I don't feel 50. And I'm sure you probably hear this a lot when you talk to people, but age is just a number. And 
there's so many things I find humor in about being this age that make me giggle. You know, I live in this little small community and we have a newsletter that goes out and they have this group called the Nifty 50 Senior Club. And I'm like, come on, guys, like we have to drop. You do not step into being a senior in your 50s. That's ridiculous. I was away last weekend with my girlfriends and I look at videos and pictures and I crack up laughing because we still act like we're very much 16. And so I, I just, I, I think I'm most surprised by the fact that I'm not this dowdy old woman that I thought I might be when I was in my 20s, perhaps, you know, that I feel the same. I don't look the same, but I feel the same. Yeah, I hear you on that. I remember when I was a young mother looking at my mom and her sisters and man, they were old, but they were, they were only 48. (laughs) Right? Like, I think we've really changed that narrative. I think it's great that we're, we're, we're changing that narrative. Yeah, I think it's a lot different for us than it was for our mother's generations for like several reasons. First of all, we don't smoke our cohort coming up just we kind of looked at health in a different way and we've arrived at middle age in a better state of general health than previous generations for sure and even myself i mean i am just always learning and i think there was this mindset that you got to a certain age and you could just stop you could just slip into being old and grumpy maybe. And I don't feel that way. And I'm still going, what am I going to do when I grow up? (laughs) If you're, if you're not growing, you're flatlining. And what are you doing if you're flatlining? Well, you're dying. It's over. So why would you ever not want to grow and change and adapt? And you can do that at any age. It's ridiculous to suggest that people get stuck in their ways. I think that's, I think that's a little BS. You can change you can absolutely choose a new path at any age. Well, I, yes, but, and I think this is something that we as Gen Xers have earned the right because when we came up, when I was just coming into my career, my mother told me like, you can do anything you want, Sherilyn, just pick it. You, you have choices that I never had is what she said to me. And she was right. And so when the generation above us arrived at middle age, they had been dedicated being housewives and mothers. Well, certainly in, in, in my family and, and in my realm, I, not, I know not every family was the same, but there was a lot of people at that age group that arrived at middle age. Their kids had flown the coop. They've been married. To, they're now married to some bald fat guy that <laughs> may not have been their dream. <laughs> to spend their old age with and they're kind of stuck at it. So I, I, and I think that for Gen X women, we've already made this, always made decisions for ourselves. And I think that's an interesting thing that you said there is your mother said, would say that to you and my mother. And I think oftentimes we sit there and we want to poo-poo the generation ahead of us when we should really be thanking them for paving the way and allowing us to be the way we are. When we, we talked on my show recently, you mentioned that a lot of younger women are listening to your podcast. And I think that is fantastic because I want to pave the way for women coming up behind me. I want to share the things I've learned so that they maybe don't have to do those things as well and share my experience because it's not that I'm smarter. I've just 
walked through that path and I can help make things easier for you. So I'm all for that because that's, that's what we should be doing you know, for each generation. Yeah, I know for me, I'd never even heard the word perimenopause until I was in it. Well, I, I was probably past it by the time I even heard of it. I didn't know, like I knew things were going on, but I didn't know why. Now it's totally on the radar of every woman who's in their mid thirties that they're, they're heading into that and they know to what sides to look for. And that I feel like just now the tide is kind of turning about options for them. Oh, absolutely. The group of girls that I hang out with, like we have all kinds of nicknames for each other, but one of them is the menopause. <laughs> because we're all in it and we never made jokes about that and honestly when I first hit menopause I thought what fresh hell is this I was getting 20 to 30 hot flashes a day and I'm not in any way I'm shaming my mom or anything but she never talked to me about it she never she never openly discussed her experience with it so when I got it I really was completely unprepared and when you think about your education in school there was all kinds of education about getting your period yes. and moving into adolescence. But when it came to menopause, it was like, oh, yeah, and then one day it'll be over. Yes. That <laughs> was crazy. We're so uneducated about it. So I, I think it's wonderful that we're having these conversations so openly now. Is there any other advice you'd give your 30-year-old self? Oh, gosh. I think don't be so critical. I often see pictures of myself and go, oh, my God, I look fat. I have wrinkles, this, that. And I try to now I look at those pictures and go, what am I going to think about this picture in 20 years? And in 20 years, I'm going to think that's a great picture. So I try not, I try to bring that thought back because I look back on pictures in my 30s, pictures I cringed at at the time and think, man, I looked great. Yeah. So I think it's just always just accepting where you're at and going, yeah, I, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So I think that's probably the number one thing is just let the pictures be taken. Don't be too critical on yourself. Just just step into the picture. And I mean that literally and figuratively. Yeah, I think it's wise advice. And that is something I'm hearing in the interviews about the women I'm talking to are wishing that they hadn't been so hard on themselves in many different aspects when they were in their early 30s. But you remind me, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine sent me a photo uh, of me at his wedding when I was 30. And I remember that day and I remember that dress and I thought, I look so fat in it. I spent the whole day walking around sucking in my belly as hard as I could because I didn't want any kind of paunch showing in the dress. And now I look at it and think, Oh my God, I would give my firstborn to be able to fit into that dress. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that, but it's funny because like I see some women do it and they start to shrink back and they become this wallflower in their own life. Mm-hmm. And damn, like you've come this far. You deserve to live loudly and boldly and not shrink into the corners if you've come this far keep going get louder you know Um, share your voice it's so important i feel like we've raised the next generation to feel that way though i hope so i hope so gen x parents have gen z kids Mm -hmm. and 
there's a really interesting dynamic happening there between X and Z, I think. It's interesting to see it play out on social media, how that's sort of happening. But some of the younger millennial women that I've worked with over the last couple of years, like they have a, a self-confidence in their late 20s and 30s. That there's no way when I was in that age, there's absolutely no way I would have felt that confident in, in a work environment or have that kind of professional confidence that they have now. So oh, I, I love it. I love it. I turn the tide on that. Yeah, I see like all these young girls and I think, damn, you are so smart. You have got it going on. And I have massive respect for that. Like, good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still figuring this out and they seem <laughs> to have it all together. But that's not to say that I should be attaching shame to it. I am I am the sum of my experiences. So mm -hmm. if it took, no matter how long it takes me to get there, I got there. That's yeah, all that really that's right. matters. That's right. That's right. So you're here now. What are you doing for fun these days? Um, well, fixing my house. I, I don't know if I'd call that fun, but there's some backstory there, but I'm fixing my house. But I'm also just really falling into a nice rhythm of, I have a partner now who's, who's just perfect for me. And my girlfriends, there's just been some real pulling together there of my friends and that's everything. And seeing my daughters starting to heal after after the divorce is good. It's just slow, steady growth and movement forward. So yeah, it's all, I'm sort of in this nice little lull right now. But I think also it's it's because I know that there's there's going to be hard times ahead, right? It's just, it's, so it's really just enjoying this time. It's quiet. It's peaceful. I don't need a lot right now. I'm really happy with this time. And, and it's also, I think that I'm okay knowing that whatever the, whatever's going to get thrown at me in the future, I'm, I'm good. I I've come through a lot. So I think I, I feel a lot more resilient and prepared for whatever life might throw at me down the road. I think you're right about that. Now, I know last year you joined Dry January with us, but a group of us got together online and did Dry January and you extended it past January. Yeah. And so did you ever go back to drinking the wine or are you doing Dry January this year? Or? So actually, I, so I just started again two days ago. I did it for 285 days wow. the first time. And, uh, and it's changed my relationship with alcohol. It's given me a lot more awareness about it. Will I give it up forever? I don't know. But I recognize that it's addictive and that we, we, our generation specifically has a messed up relationship with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, but that's not just, that's not all our fault. Look at, look at smoking. Look at how many people have lost their lives to cigarettes. And because we allowed corporations to market it as this cool thing. We have done that with alcohol, and I think we're starting to tear that apart as a society. So, yeah, it's it's a complicated relationship I think our generation has with with alcohol, and it's nice to see it being discussed so openly. And I love that Brene Brown talks a lot about not attaching shame to things. And when I talk, when I think about my girlfriends and my my girl group that I hang out with. I love that about this group is that when we get together, we unpack a lot 
when we're together. But there's no judgment and there's no shame. Mm -hmm. And we've all really come to that place in our lives where you can say anything in that group and we're going to hold it. We're not going to go out and spread it all over the place. And we're not going to judge you. And Mm -hmm. I love that. I really do. And so it's the same with drinking. Talking about it openly, not attaching shame to it, just recognizing that, yeah, it can be an issue and we have to talk about it openly in order to get past it. Otherwise, people just hide in the corners with it, right? I think you're right about it being very, very complicated, though. Like, I think that it's going to be harder to wean society off alcohol than it was cigarettes. Although, for sure, cigarettes are still a thing. Cigarettes are still a thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that nobody smokes anymore. But it's not what it once was in our in our parents' generation. But I feel like that the government is addicted to alcohol because oh, they make tax so dollars money. come on make so much money out of it and, and out of dis- distribution as well. Ontario is the largest. The LCBO is the largest purchaser of alcohol in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hopeful though that we'll conquer these things. What are you hopeful about? I feel I don't know why, but I. F- feel there's been a small shift in the collective consciousness right now is that we're tired. We're tired of the lies. We're tired of the bullshit and that we've all been subjected to. Like everybody has been subjected to this. And I think we're not putting up with it anymore. Perfect example would be all these trolls online. There was a time when everybody was just fighting back and arguing with these people. I think we've all come to this place of quiet acceptance now. It's just block them and move on. Don't give them any oxygen. Just just move on. Because there are far more normal, nice people on this earth than not. <laughs> and But the ones that are not have been sucking up too much of our time and too much of our energy. And we're just done. I think we're just done. And so I'm hopeful that we're moving past that sort of era of the liars and the cheats and the gaslighters who are sucking us all dry. I agree. I really feel like we're taking back our social media channels. You and I are both early adopters. Like we remember the early days of Twitter. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic place to be. It was wonderful. I made friends all over the world that I still have friends today. And and, uh, I went away from Twitter and almost entirely there for a couple of years, but I'm back now. I feel like we have to take some responsibility in in making it a better place. So I want to participate in it and, and help. I, I don't know what Elon's going to do. Who knows? I don't think Elon knows what he's going to do. No, no. And and I've I've struggled with that too because I thought, ah, I'll just walk. But if I walk, then it just it went. Yeah, and I don't I don't want that. And 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 I'm not I'm not going. This is not a left right conversation. This is a nice asshole conversation, right? Like, <laughs> like yes. honestly, like there's why did how did people become so uncaring, so cold? If we don't look out for each other, what's what's the point of all of this, right? Yeah. Like again, I I don't know. I, I feel there's a small shift happening, and I hope it gains momentum in 2023. So that's what I'm hopeful about is that. There's going to be a shift in that space. Well, dear listeners, let me pledge to you now that I am committed for this year to help make Twitter a better place because I'm actually afraid it's going to go away. 
And my life would be poorer without it. I really want to, I don't think we should throw out the baby with the bathwater on this. We, we just need to fix it, not, not dump it. I, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you binging? Okay. So first thing is, I have to tell everybody about this book, How to Calm Your Mind by Chris Bailey. Canadian guy, lives in Ottawa. I was sent this book to preview and I just, I'm obsessed with it. And it's actually really helped me because we are living in anxious times. And so I would highly recommend, I think it's a guidebook for 2023, How to Calm Your Mind by Chris Bailey. Please go out and get it. What I'm binge watching, I'm on a cowboy bender right now. So I watched 1883, 1923, and Yellowstone. Oh my. I just want to throw on cowboy boots and go wrangle a cow now. <laughs> so I need to get myself to a ranch. I, I'm just, I'm obsessed with that show. It's like the mob, the mob meets cowboys. It's just, it's very, very entertaining. Yeah, I picked up quite a few gongs at the Golden Globes over the week. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I mean. It's violent and dark or whatever, but it's, it's been entertaining. Where, what are you doing in terms of supporting charities and good causes and community causes these days? I would honestly say through my show, everything about what she said is about creating a safe space for women to share stories, to share information. I don't have any gotcha moments. I'm not looking to be confrontational on my show. It's a nice space. And I do my very best to highlight social justice issues mm. and to give them top priority on my show because I think we have to be talking about these things a lot more and informing people. And we're living in this time where we have this, this chaos politics happening, right? Where you're always playing whack-a-mole with what's the next issue and what are we dealing with today? And so I think by just bringing in these voices and highlighting them so that people just know more. So we're always just informed and we know what's happening. So that for me is a big focus for what she said is just to always be looking at making the world a better place for all women. Well, it's not a small cause, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's not. And it's really a labor of love. Absolutely a labor of love. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and you do it so well. I can't believe we're having these conversations and it's 2023. That we still have to advocate so hard for even the most basic of considerations that we are half of humanity. But here we are. And, I'm, and thank you very much for, for taking up the cause and, and fighting that fight for us every single week. Well, I get tired because I see like younger girls going, I don't need feminism. And I think, oh, honey. You don't need it because we're here. We got your back, girl. Yeah, you do need it. You do. And I, and I don't know where and why feminism became a bad F word. It's, it's one of my favorite F words right after free. I love feminism. <laughs> you need to make a bumper sticker. <laughs> my favorite F words in order of importance. Free feminism. And I can't say the next one, but I want to. I don't understand why people think it's not a good thing when it's, I mean, if we look at what its very definition is, it's, it's a very good thing. We need to shore each other up because together, together, we're stronger. What's an app you couldn't live without? Ooh. I'm going to say TikTok right now. Oh, I love TikTok too. <laughs> so freaking addictive. It's crazy. But it's one of those like, 
blessing curse things. I have learned a lot from TikTok. I mean, just hacks and things that I, I'm like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And I have so many freaking TikToks saved right now. I, and I think, well, I'm never going back to these. Why am I saving these? <laughs> but I, I kind of, I just like the space. As, and I will say on the flip side, I've been subjected to some hate on that app and some terrible things said. So it's a dangerous place as, as well. I don't know. I have a, this love-hate relationship with it. Yes. Well, I think I've been luckier than you. Oh, well, it's probably because I don't have as many followers as you. But for me, TikTok's just, it reminds me of the early days of Twitter. It's like yeah. people together having fun and being silly and sharing. And and what you say is true. There's like, you can find out anything in the world. It's like a, better than a university education, I think, spending time on TikTok. You can find Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't even tell you the things I've learned there. Like, it's it's crazy and fun. And I feel like I, it's a place I could build community and I'm trying to do that. It's yeah. more entertaining than any other social network has ever been in my, in my view, because it's the video format and it's just, it's just people being silly. Do you have a life hack that you would recommend? I've really been diligent about leave my phone out of the bedroom at night and it shuts, my phone shuts down. Like I utilize all the tools. It shuts down at nine o'clock at night. And in the morning, I wake up now and I have this nice little like three hour window where I do not look at my phone or my computer. Oh, yeah. And it helps me. It helps set the stage for my day because I'm not immediately into anxiety. And and I don't think we realize how much chronic stress these apps or the 24 hour news cycle actually brings into our life. and. We have enough stress, frankly. We don't need to be inviting any more in. So I've, I've, that space to me has become sacred now in the morning. It's not looking at that and not paying attention to it. So what do you do during this time if it's not, if it doesn't have a screen in it? I can't imagine it. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? So reading, which is like so throwback. And I, I've, I've really jumped back into reading. I do use it for the Calm app, which I think everybody should have on their phone. I think that's money well spent. So I do meditate now in the mornings. I get my laundry done. I work out. I cook. I whatever. But it's just, it's me time. Mm -hmm. It's just without the ever presence of a, of a screen in my face. And because we spend on average 13 hours a day in front of a screen. And the rest, I would say, in my case, <laughs> it's, like it's nuts, right? It's nuts. And I don't want that. So I am trying to shift. Again, I can't take credit for these ideas because it's, it's, it's in the book, but is to shift as much of my life out of digital into analog. So I went back to like a paper calendar this year. I still use my computer calendar because I need to for setting meetings and stuff. But when I want to sit down and plan, I have my paper calendar planner in front of me. And so just shifting as much as I can from digital to analog is, is crucial. That's a fantastic life hack. Yeah. And I think, I think more and more of us should be embracing it because there's no, there's no firm ground in the metaverse, right? And so I do a lot of what I call gratitude grounding now. And, you know, I'm so good at it now. And I don't even mean to say this like boasting, but damn, I'm good at gratitude. 
because I well, the other night was going to bed and I literally walked from my bathroom to my bed and in that small space I in my head I was rhyming off things that I was so grateful for and I could have just as easily named off things that were angering me you know but just really embracing those things makes life so much better that's it for episode 16 this has been 50 women over 50 a podcast for women whose personal confidence is born of experience I want to thank my guest, radio and TV personality, Candace Sampson, who is the host of the What She Said talk radio show and podcast for women. It's a must-listen-to show for Canadian women of all ages and goes out each week on 105.9 The Region, BlastTheRadio.com, and TheWaveWebRadio.ca. I like her because she's not afraid to tackle sticky issues, and I love the energy and sense of fun that she brings to everything she talks about. I came away from our discussion with a smile and a sense of calm optimism. Thank you, Candice. See the show notes to find out where you can listen to her program and connect with her online. I've included links to her website and socials, along with once some of the stories and other resources we talked about on the show. Join me again next week when my guest will be former police officer Greta McLean. She's the executive director of Silent No Longer Tennessee. That's a grassroots organization for sexual assault victims that she founded after she was herself raped in 2017. She shares with us her journey from victim to activist and how it's led her to become a strong and confident over 50 woman. That's next week. But in the meantime, please drop me a rating or a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect and create a whole community of wise women over 50 by sharing a link to this show with your friends and connections. Or you can subscribe to my newsletter to get your episode dropped into your inbox every week. There's a link to uh, this subscription form in the show notes. We'll see you next time on 50 Women Over 50. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey.